1984, pastors Jean and Sue started Faith Christian Center in a hotel ballroom. But for the past 36 years, they have taught people how to practically apply the Bible to their everyday lives. Over the years, God has blessed us and the church has grown. Faith Christian Center is now located on a beautiful 73-acre campus in the heart of the Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex. We believe the best is yet to come. Today's message will encourage you, inspire you, and teach you how to experience God's best in every area of your life. This is my Bible. It is the Word of God, and it is the will of God for my life. I am who the Word says I am. I'm the righteousness of God in Christ. I'm where the Word says I am, seated right now in the heavenly realms, in the place of authority, dominion, and power. I have what the Word says I have. All the blessings of Abraham are mine, and I can do what the Word says I can do. I can do all things through Christ who gives me the strength. Today my mind is alert, my spirit is receptive. As I'm taught the Word of God, my life is changed for the better, and I will never be the same again. Amen. And you may be seated. We're still in this series, Taking Action for a Better Tomorrow. You got you to do something today to have a better tomorrow. And the message uh, this Sunday and next Sunday, Goal Setting 101. Goal Setting 101. Let's start off in Ephesians 3.20. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. According to his power where? Not, not the power down at the convention center, not the power over here, not the po- I don't have to get on a jet and go find the power over there. According to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. So yes, God is able to do immeasurably more than all we can ask or imagine. That is true. But can God really do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine if we demonstrate no initiative for ourselves on our own behalf? Will God really do it all? And of course, the answer is no. So this morning and next Sunday morning, the title of of the message is Goal Setting 101. And I want to begin by giving you some quotes related to the setting of goals. Here's one by Henry Ward Beecher. The ability to convert ideas to things is the secret to outward success. The ability to convert ideas to things. Lee Iacocca. The ability to concentrate and use your time well is everything if you want to succeed in business or almost anywhere else for that matter. Francis Bacon. A wise man will make more opportunities than he finds. Vince Lombardi, winning isn't everything, but wanting to win is. Dennis Waitley, failures do what is tension relieving, while winners do what is goal achieving. Brian Tracy, goals are the fuel in the furnace of achievement. Aldous Huxley, every ceiling when reached becomes a floor upon which one walks as a matter of course and prescriptive right. Phil C. McGraw, know your goal, make a plan, and pull the trigger. Abraham Lincoln said, a goal properly set is halfway reached. 
Andrew Carnegie. If you want to be happy, set a goal that commands your thoughts, liberates your energy, and inspires your hopes. Henry Ford, there is no happiness except in the realization that we have accomplished something. Seneca, our plans miscarry because they have no aim. When a man does not know what harbor he is making for, no wind is the right wind. Victoria Holtz, your role in achieving your goal must be giving your all. Involve yourself whole with your heart, your mind, and your soul. Here's a quote that no one knows who said it or wrote it. In absence of clearly defined goals, we become strangely loyal to performing daily acts of trivia. And I love this quote by Yogi Berra. If you don't know where you are going, you'll end up someplace else. Hallelujah. <laughs> I think I met that guy. Say it out loud. With God's help, I'm going to set some faith goals. And with God's help, I'm going to reach those goals. Number one, Christian people oftentimes miss out on what they want in life because they lie to themselves just like the world does. I guess I, I, I don't mean to bring it up all the time, but it's in, it's, you know, it's, it's in front of us all the time. I saw this week that during the AIDS uh, pandemic, epidemic, uh, Dr. Frankenstein was saying that it could be transmitted in the home by touching each other and by sharing meals with each other. And he prescribed mask wearing in the homes. What a complete idiot. I mean, now we know it's not transmitted by sharing a meal with somebody or, you know, shaking hands with somebody and it's, it's, uh, a mask doesn't stop it. But, you know, we, we're human beings and we like to lie to ourselves. Am I the only one here this morning? A week ago Thursday said that one more piece of pie wouldn't matter. Talk to me. Talk to me, people. Am I the only one? No. What do we as people do? We lie to ourselves. You know. Or if you do what I do, I, I'll tell Sue, this day's blown anyway. <laughs> Hallelujah. Let's just go. Christian people oftentimes miss out on what they want in life because they lie to themselves just like the world does. James 1.22, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like a man who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But the man who looks intently into the perfect law, the word that gives freedom and continues to do this, not forgetting what he has heard but doing it, he will be blessed in what he does. Say it out loud. He will be blessed, will be blessed. in what he, does. what he does. If anyone considers himself religious and yet does not keep a tight rein on his tongue, he deceives himself and his religion is worthless. So, you know, the world out here, they're just lying to themselves. Uh, but at, at least when, you know, when we say to ourselves, the second piece of pie doesn't matter, don't lie to yourself. Say, I know it matters, but I'm going to eat it anyway. Amen. It's a bad thing to lie to ourselves. 
Are you hearing me? So let's use an easy example, money. How many of you would like to have a million dollars? How many of you would like to have a million dollars? Well, we all would. The problem is very few people actually take action toward this or any other goal. We would probably all like to be millionaires, but too often we lie to ourselves and thereby thwart our own efforts. Did you know that fewer than 1% of all Americans are millionaires? And let me tell you what, all these numbers mean less and less and less over time because they're printing more and more and more money. If the Lord tarries, you might need a million dollars to buy a Big Mac. <laughs> fewer than 1% of all Americans are millionaires, but if our government monopoly schools would teach algebra instead of sexual perversions, all Americans could end up millionaires. Amen. How? Well, let's say a kid gets out of high school and gets a job and he makes only $25,000 a year, just $25,000 a year. And let's say he never really advances too far. He never moves into management. He only averages a 3% pay raise every year, but he saves 10% of all that money he is making and he puts it into a tax deferred savings plan like a IRA or a 401k. And let's say he's super conservative. He never invests in anything other than a Standard & Poor 500 mutual fund. At age 60, he will have $1.145 million starting out making only $25,000 a year. Well, let's say he's a little bit more adventurous. And so instead of investing in a Standard & Poor 500 mutual fund, he invests in a NASDAQ 100 mutual fund at age 60. That high school graduate who started out making only $25,000 a year would have $5.9 million in savings. It's just math. It's just math. But nobody knows any of this stuff because they're teaching critical race theory. They're teaching common core math. You know, they're teaching Darwinism. They're teaching climate change. They're teaching everything that doesn't matter. I'm telling you, it is so easy to make another human being wealthy. It's ridiculous. But it takes time. Now, the politicians will never tell you any of this. You see, the politicians really only have power if you're broke and ignorant. That's why government monopoly schools waste all that time on activities other than reading, writing, and arithmetic because it's only when you are broke and ignorant that you can be controlled. Well, you say, Pastor Gene, I'm not 18 years old. Well, let's say there's somebody here today and you're 35 years old and you've never saved a dime. And let's say you're currently making $75,000 a year. And let's say you two never receive from this point forward a raise greater than 3%. Well, because you've never saved any money, you might need to take action at a little higher level than the theoretical 18-year-old. So let's say that you save 15% now of all that you make and you put that money into a tax-deferred savings plan like an IRA or a 401k. And let's say you're super conservative and you never invest in anything other than a standard and poor 500 mutual fund. At age 60, you would have $1.195 million. Now, I realize there's bear markets, there's up markets. I'm talking, these are numbers based on 
from the 1929 top until now. Not the 1929 bottom. I'm not trying to cheat the math from the top till now. Let's say you're a little more adventurous and instead of investing only in a Standard & Poor 500 mutual fund, you invest in a NASDAQ 100 mutual fund. At age 60, you would have $2.77 million. Now listen, don't tell me something cannot be done because I have done too many impossible things in my life for somebody to come along now and tell me something's impossible. I don't want to hear it. It's cruel to ask with Thanksgiving just behind us, and boy, do I mean behind us. <laughs> but how many of you would like to be at your perfect weight? I got my hand up. How many of you would like to be at your perfect weight? Well, we would probably all like to be at our perfect weight, but too often we lie to ourselves and thereby thwart our own efforts. So let's say you're 50 pounds overweight. Well, we oftentimes make goals that are unrealistic by making them unachievable. <clears throat> so perhaps you say you want to be at your perfect weight by Valentine's Day. Well, that would be impossible because of the holidays, and it's it would be impossible without fasting, but even with fasting, it may be impossible because oftentimes when people fast, they bring medical problems on themselves and they have to stop fasting. So what do you do? Well, two things. First, you set a goal that is achievable and realistic, which means you may need some time to reach your goal. Second, you break your goal in, up into bite-sized pieces. Many years ago, Sue and I heard Dr. Robert Schuler say something that really stuck with us. He said, how do you eat an elephant? One bite at a time. So you can do anything you set your mind to if you will break that goal up into bite-sized pieces. So let's say you want to lose 50 pounds. Well, think about it. To get that done in a year's time, that's one pound a week. How many people do you know, really, who have lost 50 pounds? Probably not that many. But how many people do you know who have lost one pound in a week? Probably hundreds, right? But now we come to the dilemma. The dilemma in reaching any goal in life is consistency. Think about the way the Lord life coached me in 1989. He said, save something every seven days, even if it's only $5. Save something every seven days personally. Save something every seven days in the ministry. So what he was teaching me without using the word was he was teaching me to be consistent. Because inconsistency lies the power. So if someone needs to lose 50 pounds, that is their long-term goal. Their short-term goal is to lose one pound this week. Their intermediate-term goal is to lose four pounds this month or 13 pounds this quarter. To lose one pound a week, all you have to do is eat 500 fewer calories each and every day. That's it, 500 calories. That's four pieces of bread. So you can reach any goal you desire if you will focus your mind to do it and consistently put forth the required corresponding action. Now, I see some folks judging me this morning. You know, Pastor, if you know so much about this, how come you're not at your perfect weight? Well, think about it. 
The Lord spoke to me in March of 1988, told me to walk four miles a day every day from that day till this day. Now think about it. If I had not obeyed God on that, I'd be as big as a house right here this morning. <laughs> so all of us Amen. do some things better than others. My point is, you are in charge, you set the goals, you set your faith goals, and you decide what's important for you. Do you understand? But there's, see what they're doing is, what they're doing is so evil, is so wicked, they're teaching young people to hate success. You don't have any trouble that anybody except maybe your mom or dad created for you. If you have trouble, you created it. So the way out is not hating on somebody else. The way out is for you to focus your faith and for you to set your goals and for you to take action on your goals. Can you see that? And we don't all skin the cat the same way. And I'm, no, I'm not talking about literally skinning a cat. Don't send nasty, wicked emails. But there are men here this morning, and they did it in gas. And there are men here this morning, and they did it in real estate. And there are men here this morning, and they, they did it in rental properties. You got to find out what works for you. I don't like fixing my own toilet. So the whole idea of having rent houses and somebody calling me about their toilet doesn't work for me. But it does work for some guys here in the church. Of course, they have people do that for them. But you got to find out what works for you. And then you got to work what works for you. Amen? But let me, let me say, uh, it's not in the notes, but time is critical to any of this. That's why you got to start now. You can't start yesterday. That's why you got to start now. You got to take action now. If you are inconsistent, then time is your enemy. But if you will be consistent, then time is your friend. That's true in losing weight. That's true in saving money. That's true in whatever you want to talk about. If you are inconsistent, time is your enemy. But if you will bring yourself to be consistent in what matters to you, then time will be your friend. When Gloria Copeland was with us in May of 2006, she said, inconsistency lies the power. And that's true in every area of life, including our walk with God. Anyone can save money for five minutes. Anyone can eat right for five minutes. Anyone cannot sin for five minutes. Anyone can exercise for five minutes. That's not the key. Gloria Copeland said, inconsistency lies the power. So don't tell me something can't be done. I, I've done too many impossible things in my life for somebody to come along now and try and convince me something's impossible. Say it out loud. I am determined. I am resolved to experience in my life what God says belongs to me. I will not quit. I will not give in. I will continue on. I will fight the good fight of faith until I am living out the promises of God in my life. 
Number two, number two, we'll get partway through this and have to quit, wait for next Sunday to finish it. Number two, Christian people oftentimes miss out on what they want in life because they lack consistency and focus. Christian people oftentimes miss out on what they want in life because they lack consistency and focus. Let me tell you one of the great evils that's happened in the last couple of years. I was getting ready to the other, getting ready the other day, and the Lord spoke to me. He said, "Any of these politicians that have any have had anything to do with closing churches will pay for it in eternity forever." But even amongst us here this morning, there are people, and you used to be in church 45 Sundays a year, but now you're in church 20, 25 Sundays a year. See, the thing about it is, you know, it's like Thanksgiving. Okay, you have one day, you, you go nuts. Maybe you don't really pay for it. But if you start doing that on a regular basis, you pay for it. Do you understand? And so faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So whatever we want in life is going to come to us by faith in God. And I understand being on vacation. I understand, uh, you know, going out of town. I understand all of that. I've been doing this 48 years. I mean, I know I look good. But I've been doing this 48 years. And I have never seen anybody inconsistent in church attendance live a successful, victorious life over time. I have never seen it, not one time. Sometimes people pay the price in their money. Some people pay the price in their body. Some people pay the price in their Marriage. Some people pay the price in their home. But I'll tell you where the big one is. The big one, some people pay the price in their children. And somebody might say, well, why, are, why did you digress into that? Because we're talking about consistency. You know, a pastor friend of mine, he was my best friend in high school. He pioneered a church in Houston. He said, all God really asks of us is two hours a week. Who can't do that? If we're in town, amen? amen? So here are some quotes on consistency and focus. Paul Meyer, crystallize your thoughts, make a plan for achieving them, and set yourself a deadline. Then with supreme confidence, determination, and disregard for obstacles and other people's criticisms, carry out your plan. Brian Tracy, the most important key to achieving great success is to decide upon your goal and launch. Get started, take action, move. Mary Kay Ash, an average person with average talents and ambition and average education can outstrip the most brilliant genius in our society if that person has clear, focused goals. Zig Ziglar, goals are dreams we convert to plans and take action to fulfill. Now I know this, to accomplish anything in life, anything worth having, as Christian people, any goal accomplished, to achieve any goal accomplished, these three must be in agreement and moving in the same direction. I know this, what I believe, what I say, and what I do. If I want to see a dream come to pass, if I want to see a, a vision come to pass, if I want to reach a goal, if I want to get to a destination, 
I know this, these three have got to be lined up and moving in the same direction, faith, speech, and action. Because a lot of people, they're believing this, they're talking this, and they're doing that. And then they wonder why they don't make any forward progress in life. In order to walk in the abundance and prosperity of God, in order to see our dreams, our goals, and our visions for this life come to pass, we must make the law of corresponding action work for us and not against us. And what does this mean in practical terms? We must get our faith and our confession and our deeds, our actions all lined up and moving in the same direction. Amen. Amen. Let me give you James 2, 14 to 16 in the Weymouth translation. What good is it, my brethren, if a man professes to have faith, yet his actions do not correspond? I mean, that'd be like saying, I want to lose weight, but then tie on the feedback. I mean, I'm, I'm not saying we don't ever tie on the feedback, but I mean, I mean, my God, 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 listen. I can go and eat with Derek and Christina and Emma at Riley in Lambert's and eat all of that home cooking. I mean, I'm talking about throat rolls. I'm talking about chicken fried steak. I'm talking about mashed potatoes. I'm talking about fried. I'm talking about throw down. <laughs> and it's maybe a pound. So how do people get this big? It's Coca-Cola. It's potato chips. You just cannot get as big. Now, you know I have got guts like you have never seen in your entire life to talk about this on Pastor Appreciation Sunday. Tell your neighbor, man, he got guts. But why would I talk to you about this? Talk to me. Why would I talk to you about this? See, it's Coca-Cola. It's potato chips. And I love potato chips. Just last Sunday, my grandchildren, you know, they get done doing what they're doing. And there's a partial, almost used up bag of kettle potato chips. And I, I, I think to myself, waste not, want not. <laughs> and I finish that bag, and then I, I form the bag into a V. Amen, Pastor. Hallelujah. There's nobody here loves that more than me. My point is, I can't do that 24-7, 365. I've got to be a doer of the word of God. The Bible says, the Bible says, if you are given to gluttony, you've got to put a knife to your throat. Now, he's not talking literally. He's just saying there's got to come a point where you, go, you say, I've got to stop. But listen, it's not, it's not steak. It's not potatoes. It's not real food. It's doing this to America. It's not real food. And I got some more news for you. As long as Dr. Frankenstein is going on talk shows, there will be stress. So stop using food to alleviate stress. 
And I know it's hard as Christians because we don't smoke, we don't chew, we don't drink, we don't go with girls who do. So what do Christians do to relieve stress? We eat. So I'm saying, got to find something else to do, amen? Because as long as that guy is not in hell, there will be stress. Number, verse 15, suppose a Christian brother or sister is poorly clad or lacks daily food, and one of you says to them, I wish you well. Keep yourselves warm and well-fed, and yet you do not give them what they need. What is the use of that? So also faith, if it is unaccompanied by obedience, has no life in it so long as it stands alone, so long as it stands alone. Nay, someone will say, you have faith, I have actions. Prove to me your faith apart from corresponding actions, and that's where Kenneth Hagin got the phrase, corresponding actions. It's from the Weymouth translation of James chapter 2. Prove to me your faith apart from corresponding actions, and I will prove mine to you by my actions. You believe that God is one, and you are quite right. Evil spirits also believe this and shudder. But idle boaster, are you willing to be taught how it is that faith apart from obedience is worthless? Say it out loud. Faith apart from obedience is worthless take the case of Abraham our forefather was it or was it not because of his actions that he was declared to be righteous as the result of his having offered his son Isaac upon the altar you notice that his faith was cooperating with his actions and that's what I'm saying to reach a goal to get to a destination to see a vision to see a dream come to pass you got to have these three lined up and moving in the same direction what you believe what you say and what you do notice that his faith was cooperating with his actions and that by his actions his faith was perfected and the scripture was fulfilled which says and Abraham believed God and his faith was placed to his credit as righteousness and he received the name of God's friend you see that it is because of actions that a man is pronounced righteous and not simply because of faith tell your neighbor action is required Tell your other neighbor, action is required. In the same way also was not the notorious sinner Rahab declared to be righteous because of her actions when she welcomed the spies and hurriedly helped them to escape another way. For just as the human body without the spirit is lifeless, so also faith is lifeless if it is unaccompanied by obedience. Now I've got to quit here and we'll pick up next Sunday at this point, but this is why, this is why This church is not bigger because we have always taught taking action on the Word of God. What they want you to believe out here is this is the new thing in Christianity, and what they want you to believe is God's blessing everybody the same all the time equally. Well, we know with our eyeballs that is not the case. Tiff Shuttlesworth sent me a text this week and he said, you're distinctive because you teach the people of God the requirements of God and the covenants of God. And the covenants of God boiled down to a basic simple concept is is this. If you will do this and this and this, then God will do that and that and that. That's faith. That's covenant. And people reject it because they don't want to believe that God responds, that God reacts, that God answers. Well, he does. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. 
I said he does. He does, he does, he does. Let's bow our heads. I want to give an opportunity for people to make their commitments and their decisions for the Lord. You could be here this morning or maybe you're watching online. And you could be watching online right now or it could be years from now. But uh, you've never made Jesus Christ your Lord and your Savior. You've never taken that action. See, we're not saved just because Jesus paid the price on Calvary's cross. We have to take action. Yes, we have to believe, but we have to take action. We have to, we have to believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead. We have to confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord. Jesus said in John 3, you must be born again. He said to Revelation 3, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in in fellowship with him and he with me. So he's willing. The question is, are you willing? How many this morning would say, Pastor Gene, I want to be included in this prayer. I want to be saved. I want to be born again. I want to make Jesus Christ the Lord and the Savior of my life. If that's you this morning, wherever you are, lift a hand up. Lift it up high enough to where I can see it. We're going to pray. Pastor, that's me. Pray for me. I want to be saved. I want to be born again. I want to be forgiven of my sins. You could be here this morning and you're backslidden. There was a time in your life that you told God that you loved him and that you would live for him and you meant it when you prayed it. But you've allowed past habits, past friends, past associations to creep back into your life and you find yourself here this morning and you're not on fire for the Lord like you once were. Well, the word says in 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. How many this morning would say, Pastor, that's me. I'm away from God. I'm not living for the Lord like I know I should. But Pastor, I don't want to live a backslidden life, not another day. I certainly don't want to be defeated, and I certainly don't want my children to pay the price. Pastor, I want to recommit my life to God. I want to do that this morning. If that's you this morning, wherever you are, lift a hand up. Lift it up high enough to where I can see it. We're going to pray. Hallelujah. Well, Father, I thank you for your word. It is an incorruptible seed. It has gone forth into the hearts of the hearers, and it will not return to you empty or void, but it will achieve the purpose. It will achieve and accomplish the purpose for which you've sent it. For those of you watching online, either right now live or maybe in the future sometime later, the Bible says that if you believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead and you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord, you will be saved. For the sake of anybody that may be out there, and you know, God bless people. I mean, we've got people from all over the world in lockdown countries and even lockdown states, and they're watching. And so we have to be mindful to, that we're not just ministering to you all here live on Sunday morning, but we're ministering to people literally all over the world. Let's pray for them. You join with me in prayer. Father God, I give you my life. Time's gone by. I've gone my own way, I've done my own thing, and I've lived for self. But today I turn, and I repent of that old way of living, and I give you my life. I believe in my heart, Father God, that you raised Jesus from the dead, and I confess with my mouth, Jesus is Lord. So I know, according to your word, life has been imparted to me. I thank you, Father God, for saving me. I thank you, Father God, for receiving me. Not rejecting me, but receiving me. 
into your family. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So if you've prayed the prayer, write to us, email us, contact us some way, somehow, and we'll get a copy of God's Very Own Child, a book I wrote. We'll get a copy of that book to you. It'll be a blessing to you because that's what we do here. We want to be a blessing. Let me say something else because we've got people from, you know, all over the world, even the Middle East, watching these services. If you send us something to be a blessing to the ministry, that's great. But let me tell you what. We don't owe any man anything except the debt of love. These wonderful, wonderful people at Faith Christian Center, God has blessed them, and just their giving has paid for everything. Hallelujah. And whatever God's done for them, God wants to do for you. Amen. Can you give the Lord a shout of victory this morning? Thank you for listening to this life-changing message. To partner with us and to help us reach more people with the good news of the gospel, visit our website at faithchristiancenter.com. Your financial support is enabling us to reach more people than ever before. If you have never accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, pray this simple prayer. Lord Jesus, I repent of my sins. Come into my heart. I make you my Lord and Savior. If you prayed that simple prayer, you are born again and today is a new beginning. We would like to send you a copy of Dr. Jean Lingerfeld's book, God's Very Own Child. To receive your free copy, call the church office at 817-561-3400 or send an email to info at faithchristiancenter.com. Remember to put God first in every area of your life because he loves you and has a wonderful plan for you. And don't forget, we walk by faith, not by sight.